Hey. 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 I love this part. <laughs> yeah, we, we probably should have started with it. It's cool, though. It's kind of a long one, the first one. It's so good. And you're getting ready for tonight. You're getting ready. You're going to be full jersey tonight? What was the last time this happened? I'll get into it in a second. Let's welcome everyone first. Welcome, everyone. To episode number 61 of the Light Shed Podcast. I'm Brandon Ross, along with Rich Greenfield and Walter Pisick, and Rock and Roll Part 2. On a Friday, I guess the podcast is always on a Friday, as uh, we get ready for Game 7 of the NHL semifinals, the Islanders taking the ice tonight in Tampa Bay with a trip to the Stanley Cup Finals on the line. Um, I'm not extremely hopeful um, that uh, they'll get it done tonight. Tampa is a very tough place to play, and I think they're the best team in hockey. But um, this is the closest the Isles have been since 84, being um, five games away. And LaFontaine. Pat LaFontaine. Well, that was not 84. LaFontaine, though, actually, the last time they made the semifinals, um, or, you know, the comp- in most years, the conference championship, uh, was 93. And I believe, actually, against the Canadians, who they would play in the finals if they make it. And I believe LaFontaine was on that team, although my brain is a little bit fuzzy right now. Um, Anyway, this is the second big game seven for me, at least in the last um, five days. The other one didn't go so well. I actually went to Philly um, for that Sixers disaster, the Ben Simmons disaster. Um, And uh, hopefully the outcome is a little better tonight. Walter looks very like not yeah, happy well, about this. Like, yeah, well, are you like well, anti? I thought you got into playoff hockey. Like, I, you know, I, well, well, I expected just, some excitement. Walt just doesn't give a shit. I don't really care about hockey. It just doesn't interest me that much. I'll put it on every now and then, and it just it seems, like playoff, it seems interesting play, enough to watch. Playoff yeah. hockey is as intense as it gets. So. Okay, uh, but and I'd rather watch the Europeans. Okay, I'm, yeah, more, I'm more excited about <clears throat> the England Germany match on Tuesday. Fair. That's very fair. But everyone's what got their things. What will right? that be broadcast on, Walt? What platform are we looking on that? Game? Um, that's a good question. I haven't looked at when they when they've gone to this stage where there are changes. But ESPN has has been, as I've said before, a phenomenal app for that. So, but now it doesn't I've, matter as much because there's not. I don't think there's going to be multiple matches on at the same time at this stage. So, I have a question for Rich. Actually, oh no, here we go. It's about your background this week. Yeah. How do you pronounce? the name of the show that you have up i think it's lupin but (laughs) but i'm not a hundred percent sure did you see that um that commercial or that that ad the video ad that netflix um put out yeah i saw that it's it's pretty hilarious. I don't think basically it is Lupin. making fun of people. Basically yeah. making fun of people for everyone pronounces it differently. Yeah, so right. it's like it's like some guy trying to put it on using um, a voice activation, and he keeps saying the name of the show, and he keeps saying it wrong. Oh, right. and it's like That's going right. crazy. It's actually a pretty hilarious. Was it a Saturday Night Live skit, or was that? No, that was real. Right, a real. I got it. I got it as a promoted tweet from Netflix. Yeah. Interesting. The, the 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 funny thing is is like this series shouldn't be back so soon, but it's just 
the more you learn about, you know, I'm not an expert in French production, but I guess a lot of French TV series, they don't like to make a lot of episodes because they're ne- they're always nervous about whether they're going to be successful. So seasons are like five or six episodes and they like to do oh. multi- you like like to do them more often rather than make like 10 to 12 episodes the way you all would be accustomed to. And so basically they just create them more frequently. And so something's like a big hit, like Lupin was, or however you say it, you end up seeing the content actually hit more often because of the way France creates content. You know, Ted Lasso is coming back in July, which was good for me. I'm on the cycle. I literally just got my email from Apple saying that my trial is going to expire. So they're going to charge me whatever it is, four bucks, five bucks a month. So it's good timing. What, what rich, why is, why is, um, Ted Lasso back in, and what was the morning show was first, right? That was kind of their first big show out of the gates. Morning show had a second season, though. Oh, did it? It did. Maybe yeah. I missed that. Are you sure? I think so, I thought it did, uh, unless the production was delayed, and I maybe I'm messing that up. But I thought it did. But I maybe I'm drawing I a blank. That. I don't think so. Maybe, yeah, maybe we'll not. Rich, Rich and I went gallery. to the premiere for that. that oh, Rich, did remember you remember that? Yeah, remember that, Rich? Well, it was maybe like you a thought season like two was that reunion show. Uh, well, I know Dickinson came back. I know Dickinson had a season two. Maybe I'm drawing a blank yeah, on. I don't think it's a season two, but. Morning show season two starts in September. The peanut gallery is telling us it's September. So Mark Walter, they are sick on the draw. He's a much quicker searcher. So, what, so why, are, why does that take long? Oh, I guess they, maybe they maybe it was ready at the Mark same is, time. And, Mark is fucking amazing at Google search, by the way. Good. Bam, I don't know if you noticed there. that. Look, they are staggering it so that you don't churn, right? Because they're doing weekly releases. And so Apple's making it so that there's some reason for you to pay that $5. That would be Amazon? my guess. Amazon? Apple. I said oh. Apple. Apple's trying to get five dollars a month, so that they're looking right. for a way to keep you. So they just the spread it out. But my my point, is, I guess, the question is, why did they, why did they um, start with season two of of Ted Lasso versus? Oh, there's production times also, right? I, who guess. who knows of like what the shooting was? There's bigger stars, and numerous stars in the morning show, so probably to get everyone not working at once on the same page. Plus, you had COVID. Who the fuck knows? Yeah. Well, I, I have one other explanation. Yeah. Ted Lasso is their marquee show. I mean, it's the show that has defined the service to date. And I think the one that Apple management is most excited about in terms of what it did and the sort of the excitement around Apple TV plus more so than the morning show did. I just think it's their iconic show now. Even though the morning show was supposed to be it because of yeah. the, the star power. Well, it's kind of like just, what Disney did when they leapfrogged um, – Watch them call it WandaVision ahead of uh, the Winter Soldier. Right. By I the way, WandaVision was a big deal. Episode three is a Loki? breakout. Is a breakout Loki. episode for Loki. A breakout episode. And, and this is typically the way it is with them. The first couple are kind of weird, and then the third one in is really what defines the show. The, the, sort think, of that's, but that's the pitch for binging, right? If you had binged three quickly, maybe you would really like it. Versus if you sort of get frustrated after a couple. And I don't know That's if any the, of our podcast listeners that watch Loki noticed, but Loki himself was wearing a very interesting dress shirt where, where there was like two seams that kind of cut across here. And you wanted to buy it, right? You're in the market to if buy it. If anyone one. knows where I can get that, I think that would be very cool because um, okay. you'd actually see it on my Zooms. And that's important to have a shirt that can be seen, the style can be seen on a Zoom. Let's go to uh, slide one. So the first thing we've got, Wall Street Journal had a story this week that got a lot of press attention. Comcast CEO Brian Roberts is scoping merger options, including a tie-up with Viacom CBS okay. or acquiring Roku. Uh, I think there couldn't be anything further from the truth, uh, which is what makes this story so fun to talk about, is that I don't think that Comcast is scoping merger options. In fact, <laughs> the, the obvious merger option was the company that uh, Walter covers, which is Warner Media, that decided to merge with Discovery basically because Comcast wasn't interested or didn't appear interested. And so I just think sort of the fundamental story seems flawed. I I I bet they would have been interested if they could have brought it under, you know, the Comcast umbrella. But the fact that they would have had to make it a separate company um, was the problem there. Now you're talking about bringing – Viac, Viacom CBS into the fold. First of all, in the name Viacom CBS is CBS, and in the name NBC Universal is NBC, and they're both broadcast networks. So, wait, wait, wait. I, I so stop know. you. So, some, some, but Brandon, someone pitched me this week, said, Oh, but you could overturn the two network rule. It's a dated rule. 
And I was like, okay, sure, possibly. Good luck. But there's no way Comcast. And they're not is doing. I was going to say, if it, is, if it is overturned, it's not happening for Comcast. So they. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was like, I was literally laughing out loud at the person. Like, come on, there's no chance. Like, there's no chance you're going to overturn the two network rule and allow Comcast to own a cable company, two broadcast networks, and even more. Like, forget it. They got to spin it off. Brian Roberts doesn't want to spin it off. I mean, Par- Paramount would fit well in there if, if it was just paramount but then where does cbs go and like okay so you got two problems one brian doesn't want to separate out nbc universal if he did yep. he probably would have tried to do something with warner media absolutely then two then two if you did have to break up viacom and cbs then sherry redstone who worked three years yeah, had exactly. a battle philippe Dumas, had a battle les moonves to keep you know to basically merge these two companies is now going to immediately break the two companies up. And how exactly do you break up the company when you've just renamed CBS All Access into Paramount Plus and put all yeah, the content? Uh, and yeah, it. it's, this, is, this is obviously not happening. It's not a great merger fit at all. And what people forget about when, you know, we always like talk about these sort of theoretical ideas. Some of them make sense. This one doesn't there's always the practical end and there's personalities that are involved in on the practical side. And you have Brian Roberts, who's always, you know, you know leaning towards building the empire bigger and Sherry, who is committed for a number of reasons to having these two assets together and to having control of them. So you well, know, he, the personality he, thing may not, you know, we did our virtual bus tour a couple of weeks ago uh, for our, for some of our subscribers. And one of the yeah. things that was, what was amazing about it, there was a quote from Benedict Evans when we were talking about, Hey, could Shopify merge with Pinterest or would they want to own Pinterest? And he goes, that's one of those things that like, I can absolutely see the logic in the investment banker deck. Like I could yeah. envision what the, what the deck looks like, but that's about as far as it goes. And I feel like sort of Comcast and NBC and even Comcast Roku, like we actually wrote, I mean, we wrote a piece brand and me and you, like, I don't know, 45 years ago, of why Comcast should buy Roku, but it was a $6 billion company. Now Roku is a $50 billion company and you'd probably have to spend 75 or $80 billion to buy it. So it, it seems a little hard to believe now that Comcast is going to do that. And um, I, look, I guess anything is possible, but I'd be very surprised if Comcast went out and bought $2 billion of revenue for $75 billion. That would be very, very dilutive to Comcast and, and just a stretch. And so uh, to me, all of this, feels like Comcast should have done the deal with Warner Media, didn't have the guts, didn't have the, the the willingness to do something that bold. And, and not just that bold to sort of break the company up. Yeah. And so people are just sort of lots of people are talking, lots of people are trying to figure out what's the next step. I think the reality is I don't think anything major. If they wanted to own more content like a studio, they could have bought MGM and overpaid for it and owned MGM. That went to Amazon. I, I just this is a stretch. It's a real stretch. And I just don't buy that. There's really any, I don't believe there's any real smoke in the story at all. So I'm sure this mean, was a, in short, this was a Josh Kosman story. No, it was. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. You bring that this up. Was like I, the journal. Oh. I mean, but by the way, I'm well, sure owner. that Comcast is doing, <laughs> oh, that's, that's holy story. shit. That's good. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. hilarious. That's, that's I, a great one liner. I'm, I'm sure like the, Corp Dev and M and A teams at Comcast are looking at and modeling everything just to do their homework, but that doesn't mean shit. Obviously, well, no, no, there's Especially one other angle here. No, no, but there's one other angle. If I worked at NBC Universal, mm-hmm. I would want to be a separate company and merged and larger. Like, yeah, I think there's course. a lot of merit to why someone at NBC Universal. Yeah, if you're if you're Jeff Shell, of course you want that. But I, it I just, just think putting those two assets together doesn't make sense. FIAC and NBCU uh, for many reasons. Let's stick with FIAC for a second and talk about, uh, and this slide, I'm not going to read it. Yeah, what is going on? I can't even see all the print on this slide. For those, I know most people just like to listen to the audio, but there's about 2,000 words on this slide that Rich just put up. And it's a Hollywood reporter, and it says, Viacom CBS restructures executive ranks to prioritize streaming. And it's basically every single executive at the company has some role in 
putting content and green lighting content into Paramount Plus. So it's like basically saying, hey, Paramount Plus is our number one initiative. Streaming is most important. And we're going to put literally 10 people in charge of programming it versus like one person, which is that's their entire life. Like this is literally programming the future by committee. And it, it to me, honestly, it just felt like nobody wants to say, hey, I'm sorry, you lost out. This person's more important than you or this person's more important than this other person. Like it just... It was like one of those things that just felt so legacy media versus like, you know, the way it, it should be done, which is like one person, one point of control and go. And everyone reports into that person versus 10 people report and all have the expanded responsibilities or in addition to it just felt very, very problematic from a reporting structure. But hey, um, hey, hey. It is what it is. But let's talk about something that actually is really interesting That's what in terms is. of, That's you know, kind of moving pieces. So this is Vincent Lee um, tweeting out Wall Street Journal. The NFL is considering selling stakes in its media properties to strategic partners and hired Goldman Sachs to manage the process. Now, the three assets that are being shopped and not sold. This is not a sale. Yeah, it, it's is, when you say shop, it, it sounds like shop. this is <laughs> yeah. not shop. So it's actually a bad word. This is looking for strategic partners to own maybe majority, maybe not majority, but some level of investment in three assets, NFL Network, NFL Red Zone, and the NFL digital media, you know, website properties, mobile apps, apps whatever, like the NFL mobile yep. app, et cetera. You know, obviously there's lots of people that could be interested in being in that game. I mean, I think- what's the, most- what's the Let's take a step back, Rich. What's the point for the NFL of bringing in this investment? or majority ownership into these properties? I think two things. One, if you think about um, the cable bundle, which we've ad nauseum talked about why it's dying, sort of having Red Zone and NFL Network tethered to the cable bundle probably doesn't help build the visibility of the NFL. Like just, that's probably not the future if you're thinking of sitting in the NFL seats. How do you reach more people and offer more interactive ways of connecting with your, with the consumer and have more of a direct relationship with the consumer. It's probably not the cable bundle, which is what red zone and NFL network have been tied to, but those deals are all short term. So you could imagine whether it's an Amazon, a Google, you know, uh, a DraftKings, a FanDuel, anybody who's in, you think about these are sort of sports yep. betting Nirvana assets. Mm-hmm. Anybody who wants to basically, you know, leverage a lot of important we've talked about on this podcast how the red red zone asset in particular with sports betting yeah fantasy there's fantasy apps that the nfl manages right like all of that you sort of and the nfl network is basically shoulder programming it's got some games but it's basically shoulder programming for super diehard nfl fans so if you think about kind of putting all of that together you could have sort of We're unique separate, access yeah. for your platform because, again, you could sunset it. It could come off of Comcast, come off of DirecTV and only be available. You could say Red Zone in three years is only available on DraftKings or only available on BetMGM, like wh- whatever that means in three or four years. That's where this sort of gets really interesting. Yep. Look, it, it could go to a CBS or, a, you know, one of these companies for sure. But I think just thinking out loud, there's probably a lot better owners of this than legacy media companies. And it's probably somebody who has either a massive global footprint, the Amazons and the Googles, yeah, I mean, or somebody I, I, in the betting right. world. I think that one of the ads that the NFL network probably makes sense for Amazon and Red Zone makes sense for Sportsbook. It, look, I, and I guess it's possible conceptually that the assets go to different people. I mean, it, I guess it, it is theoretically yeah, why not? possible. Yeah, why not? It's, it's possible. I mean, look, I think you start exploring strategic alternatives and you see what happens. I mean, <laughs> strategic alternative. Yeah, look, I, I mean, Walt is a super fan of Red Zone. He loves the asset. He loves Sunday Ticket. That's not true like, at all. <laughs> that's literally not true at all. I don't. I never. Well, you don't watch, watch Red Sunday. Zone. I like. You watch I like Sunday Red Ticket. Zone. You just no. That's not what you said. You said I'm a super fan of Red Zone. I'm not a super fan of Red Zone. I, He's I just an Sunday Eagles ticket. fan that's out of market. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then my next thing is to watch whoever the Cowboys are playing to root against them. And then after that, so and whatever good games are, I like to watch games, not this this not ADD um, non football fan. Hey, you know. I'm a huge football fan. I like eh, Red Zone. I don't know. I challenge people that only watch Red Zone. Do I only really watch Red Zone? Because there's no. the drama in the games is more than just the highlights. People, you like the setup, you but like I the am setup ADD. 
I like we to jump Brandon. around. It's actually very. It's actually hard to imagine that you've made it through sixty-one episodes of this podcast and sat for like the two hours it takes <laughs> us to pre and you know and doing. Well, here's like, the issue though. So AT and T when they buy assets, they just bleed them and make them terrible. So Directv and Sunday Ticket um, just never advance. So hopefully now that um, <clears throat> you know AT and T or Directv is moving elsewhere, and hopefully Sunday Ticket's moving elsewhere, that I will be able to. You know, like have an ESPN type of of uh, experience, and ESPN does an incredible job in terms of serving up multiple games. So hopefully, somebody else does a better job of getting Sunday ticket and giving well, me. Multiple it's sort games. of look. Uh, I think you're sort of highlighting sort of the the future of sports media, right? Is going to have to be connected to some of these premium properties. So whether it's Sunday ticket, whether it's this NFL partnership, you know, we still don't know who's buying Red Zone, but all of this sort of ties back into sports betting and there's going to have to be some shift of these assets. It's hard to imagine new ways to monetize beyond advertising. Yes, that's right. I think that's that's the summary to what recognizes just like the NFL likes to broaden out their distribution, which they are unmatched in their ability to do that. Hopefully they also recognize that now that they can do streaming, they're picking the, the correct Sunday ticket partner in someone that can functionally to deliver a good experience, maybe, you know, could create different types of usage if you actually provide it in a better way. And there's so many different ways to do that. We obviously they're going to enable multiple audio as we've talked about before, but um, it's, it's going to be exciting. I can't wait for it to get ripped out of direct TV's hands. Or multiple partners. That's still on the table. Sure. That's so. it. The only problem with multiple partners is I think about it. It's just, you know, can, can each person customize what it looks like? Or is that right. easier to do if you have one partner? Yeah, that's I don't know a good the answer point. to that. I actually started I thinking about that when Walt was talking. I was like, ah, if you do multiple partners. I mean, there are arguments for multiple partners, though, especially from a merchandising. And they each have their own advantages. I was about from a money standpoint, too. Well, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. to having different funnels to sell into and different ways of of selling different strengths and weaknesses of of the partners. So this is from Benedict Evans. Google's delaying the end of cookies in Chrome until 2023. Competition versus privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say this is not something we were expecting. I mean, everyone. I mean, we were just on a Lightshed lot or Lightshed Premium Access event earlier in the week, Brandon, with Harry Kargman, who yep. runs Cargo, and he yep. was basically talking about like the end of cookies was a much bigger deal to him than IDFA. So like that was a few days ago. So like this definitely wasn't expected. I don't think people. No, it it wasn't expected, but from my perspective, it just doesn't surprise me. You saw with IDFA, it kept getting delayed. Um, So I think, you know, you need I's dotted and T's crossed um, in order to make this transition. Your advertisers and other partners need to be, ready for it and um you know it's it's gonna happen i know but you're just you're pushing from mid kind of mid to late 2022 now to like sort of sometime 23 so you're talking like like, six to 12 month delay uh, two years from now seems like a long time and you know we'll see i mean i i don't think we've all seen any real impact from idfa i mean people are talking harry was talking about sort of only four percent of people are opting into that apple pop-up um that's happening in terms of like do you want to allow tracking he said that you know currently four to six percent that's it of, that, I, that number by the way i'm not so sure about right so you think it's, it's higher i think it's way higher because i think i don't know what the denominator is on that is the denominator of like all apps that are out there on everyone's phone or is it the of the times that people actually got the pop-up that said yes or no i think it's the former and i think that the latter is and i've seen some studies on this is like at least into the 30s of percent so you know there's some confusion about what what the uh, opt-in rates are like I have a bazillion apps on my phone. I only actually use 10 of them. So I've only gotten the pop-up like 10 times. Yeah, is the, that the, the denominator the, or is every app on my phone the denominator? Well, every app on your phone is eventually going to ask you that question, right? Like old, that has well, if I ever use them again. Sure. 
Look, I think those, look you, you know, what Harry was talking about was like there'll be some apps like New York Times or Washington Post that may do a better job of selling you on why you should say yes because they're trying to make money on advertising so that they can provide news coverage. Like there may be some that do a or, better job. Or you're logged in there anyway, so it doesn't matter as much. Maybe. But, I mean, I, you know, I th- like isn't the key like to have logged in users now? Sure. And for any of those, you know, well, hold on, wait users. a minute, Rich. So you just basically implied that they're going to guilt you into opting in because, hey, this is how we make money. But at the same time, that user is being told by Apple, a source that they probably trust more <laughs> in advertisements about how they're like, this is about stopping people from creepily tracking, tracking everything that you do. Which message do you think is going to resonate more with the consumer? The Apple message is clearly the one resonating. I mean, I should have made the background my drive in through the Holland Tunnel with all of the the Apple billboards saying, you know, iPhone is privacy. Um, that was a mistake on my part today. But you're right. Uh, but I, his point was just there it's more likely you say yes. I, I, I guess you're right, Walt, but his point was you're more likely to say yes to the New York Times if they explain it like that versus a flashlight When you say app. explain it, explain it where? In that little pop-up in the five seconds that you're like, what is this irritating thing that's preventing me from clicking through to the to the story that I want to read? Is that the, expl- no, the, the time it, when they're explaining? So they, they have the ability to offer you the ability, even after that, to offer you a second message that helps explain in between to explain why you should click it. Like basically the, the apps get a second chance if they want to utilize it. I think they only get one second chance to make their pitch after they, after you've clicked. No. Well, I would love to see that pitch. So for any of us out there that get that second pitch, please screenshot it and send it in. Cause that would certainly be interesting. I'm guessing that we will have a good laugh at what that second pitch looks like. Um, we will try to find them. I think there's already some floating around, but I will certainly find them for you. Uh, let's talk about something that is bad for Rich Greenfield uh, that Walt's going to make fun of. So, Walt, this is all you. Well, I was going to say that you should fast forward this because you were already your audio was already having some issues earlier in this podcast, Rich. But for our podcast listeners, the slide that is up is um, from Roger Entner, basically just talking about how Altice USA is cutting uplink speeds. I mean, this could be a couple of different things. A lot of times cable operators reduce entry-level rate plans in order to get you to migrate up and drive higher revenue and higher revenue growth. Um, if they're basically, if let's say you're on the Altice 100 plan, 100 megabits down, and they were pre- previously giving you 35 megs, and now they're going to cut it to five, <laughs> maybe that's just a way for them to induce you because you're gonna your internet's going to suck when you're when you're trying to do stuff like zoom because five is not uh, enough it just is not enough sorry um it's not it's, that, it's so, not even close to but enough. but it, but, it, but even you rich i have to remind time and time again when you're saying well my my internet's working and i'm getting all this it's not the downlink it's the uplink but most consumers don't sure. get that but what they do get is that if they upgrade to the next plan which costs more <laughs> that the uplink may go up also what's interesting though is lt's kind of cut all of them they cut even so everything went from 35 to like five at the lowest end into 20. And it's just, it's um, fascinating. Uh, that they I would do, do this. pay for, I do pay for 40 Walt. So I do pay for 40. Um, I will say that I was noticing my Bloomberg terminal was buffering. Uh, and which plan do you have? Cause the only place you can get that uplink is on the gig plan. Now I have 400 down and 40 okay, well, you're up. getting cut to 20. Sorry. You're getting cut to 20. What's interesting is earlier this week, one of my Twitter followers sent me, who's who's trialing Starlink in the Las Vegas area, um, sent me a Starlink speed test that showed 40 meg uplink. And I joked that that's better than some of these 5G tests, but it's better than some cable tests, obviously now, if, if they're cutting people to 5 or, or 10 or 20. What's also interesting, Rich, is that earlier this week, we had a Lightshed Premium Access with... Um, with uh, with Frank from from their marketing group that was a former Legato guy. Um, and he was talking about how fi- when the C-band spectrum, which is very thick, Frank Bobon, sorry. Thank you, Joe. Um, when they launch C-band later this year, there will also be a big marketing push on 5G home and the uplink should be better. And I think 
you know, we'll see if they end up using supplemental uplink to, to, you know, to give something, but even I thought 5G even, home rolled out two years ago. That's on millimeter wave spectrum. I'm kidding. So this is on C-band, which interestingly, they're going to brand the same way. So they're basically <laughs> just, you know, millimeter waves will fade into the background or fade into the rain and the leaves in the back and C-band will be the, the major play. But um, he stopped short in telling us in terms of like how aggressive they would get on price and, and that type of thing. But certainly it was um, kind of an interesting week when you kind of <laughs> mix and match all these things together. Should we uh, move on to uh, a little bit of gaming, Brandon? Let's just, do actually it. just one, hold on, one other yeah. topic on okay. that. Just one other bullet sure. point on that. Sure. The majority of Verizon customers are on Mix and Match. It just it triggered my brain when I said Mix and Match accidentally. The majority of, what is Mix and Match is the ability to not take video and make it cheaper. Like for me, when I went to Mix and Match, it lowered my broadband price from 110 down to 70 for better speeds, which made me churn off of Altice as a backup or you know as an alternate. Um, it's just better. But what 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 um, Bulban said was not surprising. You know two-thirds of new customers to Fios um, take internet only. And then of the remaining that are taking video, we would all think that, like, of course, they're going to take YouTube, TV, or Sling. But no, like, anyone that's taking video now is probably someone that's just comfortable with the old cable box, or in this case, the Fios box. And so the vast majority of those that are taking video are still taking these these horrible video boxes that... Well, this is actually the core of our Fubo short thesis, is that... If you're really a sports fan, like really a sports fan, and you really need everything, you got to take the full bundle. Like you need the Verizon bundle or the Comcast bundle. Like these, the VMVPDs, they serve a niche of like people who want like, you know, lesser costs and want some of the channels, but they don't serve the diehard sports fan. And that's the last person that's really keeping the bundle so that Brandon can watch, you know, every Knicks game or every Islanders game. Like that is only possible with the big bundle because of the sports coverage and the RSNs and all of that. And I think that was one of definitely one of the most interesting takeaways is that, you know, you could get YouTube TV for far cheaper than signing up for Verizon video through Fios, but yet everyone's Although taking the YouTube big bundle. YouTube TV is getting more, it seems like it keeps getting more expensive. It's so much better of a product though. Yes, but it has lots of stuff that you don't want. Like you don't want all of those, you know, you probably don't want the discovery channels or the Viacom cable networks, but you got them now and you don't have a lot of the regional sports networks because the viewership was just too small. What's interesting, but what we don't know is in that two thirds, it's internet only. Are they procuring any live video product? And maybe they're just saying, I'm going to go to YouTube TV or they've already done YouTube TV. Maybe they have direct TV or dish. Um, we just don't know what's happening in that other two thirds of the bucket. It's possible. Uh, it would be, you know, it's so well integrated. That mix and match screen is so easy to just pick YouTube TV. It'd be surprising to me if you're going out and then getting Hulu live. But I, I, I guess anything's possible. It just, it would, that would surprise me, at least for the majority. And it seemed like he was, um, you know, who knows? I, I guess it's possible. Uh, Brendan, you want to talk gaming? All right. This is from Sports Techie. Warner Bros. has sold its mobile game developer, Playdemic Studio, to EA for $1.4 billion in cash. So let's look at this from two different angles. Um, the first is sort of the Warner Discovery merger angle. And people have reached out in the wake of this happening saying, oh, so it's actually not clear that all the Warner gaming assets are going over to Discovery. And just to answer that question, this deal was in the works, I believe, far before um, uh, that deal, that Discovery deal was announced. Our belief is that the rest of the Warner Game Studio assets are going over to the new Warner Bros. Discovery. So Very well done on Warner Bros. Warner Bros. Discovery. Uh, so that's that's number one. But, then, but sorry, before you get there, but it sort of makes sense, right? I mean, this is not if you think about a golf, a mobile golf game is certainly not strategic to sort of like the, the larger integrated Warner Media as a company. No, I mean, I think that they're 
gaming ambitions will probably be centered around as most of the Warner game stuff has been around their owned IP. Right. Like that's kind of, that's what the crux, you know, whether it's Mortal Kombat, you, you see the game and then you also see the, um, the movie IP. There was like recently, obviously, uh, the Mortal Kombat game, uh, Harry Potter stuff, whatever, whatever it may be. It, 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 mobile golf seems like a stretch. Yeah. Um, so that's number one. Then let's look at it from the EA perspective, which we've talked about two points on EA ad nauseum. One is that they have a lot of cash on the balance sheet and they're looking to deploy it accretively. Um, and get that obviously get that EPS up. That's number one. Number two is their move into mobile. They've done historically a pretty shitty job in mobile. It hasn't been, you know, a big part of the DNA of the company, even as others kind of had tried to really integrate it in. Obviously, Activision Blizzard did the King deal. So they bought glue earlier and they're going to roll up some more mobile studios. This one happened to make sense because Golf Clash is sports um, and it, it fits well in the portfolio. Glue has, you know, that uh, that baseball game, play tap or, or whatever it is, um, baseball, kind of like casual baseball game that this fits with, plus their broader sports um, assets. We'll see how ultimately this all comes together on mobile, though, um, for EA. And you know, we've we've been skeptical, but we'll we'll take a wait and see. And from the standpoint of, um, like, was there another buyer that would have made more sense, or like it was just I, obvious? No, that this I, is I, an EA? well, look, everyone is kind of. <laughs> there's a lot of companies, whether. Um, it's Zynga um, or some of the more recent ones that have or in the process, Playtika, ones that are in the process of spacking, um, other private companies that the whole pitch to investors is, yeah, we're, we're rolling up studios, rolling up studios. Actually, if you look at what Zynga has done in mobile, <laughs> it's just been one giant roll up, right? Um, so there is a hunt for these um, mobile studio assets going on, a broad one. Um, my guess is EA was willing to pay the most because they have the cash and um, it's accretive and has some strategic merit. So, um, Okay, let's move on and stick with gaming. Uh, and I just did a little bit of an audible just because I thought this would make you laugh, Brandon. Literally, just as you started talking, gaming. I got the... Ro- well, Roblox... Because yeah. just as just as you w- literally were moving into gaming, I got a request for to buy 880 Roblox for 9.99 for my daughter, and it's just uh, <laughs> like it is just the nonstop ask is for Robux um, continuously. Like it, literally every week, there's a request for more Robux. Fire well, away on the Verge. Okay, so this is from the Verge. Stranger Things Starcourt Mall comes to Roblox. So this is the type of experience that we've seen on Ro- on Roblox. This kind of like mall or school um, hangout. Less of a game. Like yeah, less experience. of a game. However, this does have, you know, I think three casual games embedded in it. I think taking a step back, though, the big takeaway here is that brands and media properties want to have a want to um have a presence on roblox we're going to see many 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 more announcements i expect especially coming up um for back to school on this we had wonderworks on um on Lightshed live this week they certainly um spoke to that they're working with i think a number of brands other studios we know are working with um other media properties brands for tons of new experiences basically everybody wants to be in gonna, the metaverse are, everyone wants to be there yeah i mean the metaverse if you want to call it the metaverse in this sort of 3d interactive world and if you want to get 
um, if you want to reach the demo, which is you know kids eight to fourteen, whatever it may be, maybe expanding upward a little bit, this is a key place you need to be. Um, and the other, I just while we're on Roblox, the other thing I wanted to point out from our Lightshed Live with Wonderworks is they did talk to sort of a continued stagnation of growth in um, in the June month uh, in terms of engagement. However, reopening, reopening based. Essentially, yeah, I mean, like- this isn't like a huge surprise, right? Um, that may that we may take a slight step back in engagement, but our guess is first of all, in terms of seasonality, as you know, we go into July and kids are back home, you're probably going to see a reacceleration. Plus, with all of these um, new experiences and brands and media companies building their presence on the platform, you're probably going to see increased engagement off of that. And, um, yeah, we're in very early innings on Roblox, I think. And, and monetization is actually improving was the other. Yeah, thing. Like- I mean, which is interesting because the the ARP Dow was actually down in May. So I don't know if the ARP data, Dow? the average revenue, revenue per, per day, daily, user. daily active user. Oh, Dow. 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 That's more like Dow. an ARP do. But I will tell you what surprised me, Brandon, this week was like, you know, when when Walt had Frank on from Verizon, yeah. we were talking about sort of like, what should they be bundling in? Like they do, yeah. obviously, they, they bundle in Disney Plus, they bundle yeah. in Apple Music. And like, to me, like I would want like Roblox Premium, like or Fortnite Battle Pass. And like, they're talking about how Apple Arcade yeah. and who, who Google- knows, Rich, right? It, um, what the discussions are behind the scene i think roblox subscription or uh battle pass makes a lot of sense um for for those a hot thing i don't know anyone who uses apple arcade i've never met any kid who uses apple arcade or adult for that matter but they said i don't know anyone's very good we should probably actually we were going to talk about that topic on the on the live nation no um, i know mobile so if you want to pull that up to the to the next sure. one, we could just get right into it. Sure, I can do that. Hold on, uh, I can totally do that. Hold on, perfect. Let's go. Pull up. Normally, T-Mobile would be Walt, but Brandon, why don't you read it since it's Live Nation? Okay. Um, T-Mobile customers get exclusive reserved tickets to Live Nation Amphitheater and Las Vegas residency shows. So, Walt, why don't you talk about what T-Mobile and the mobile operators are trying to achieve, and I'll talk about it from the Live Nation perspective. Um, Customer satisfaction and lower churn. I mean, that's typically what this is always about, right? This is not driving revenue for them. It's just lowering churn. What's interesting is they already have churn at 52-week low, but, um, you know, new things come and go, and they just want to make sure their customers are continuing to be happy. I mean, I think that's it's a more differentiated approach. Everyone's kind of like gone all in on subscri- you know adding subscriptions. What you know, Netflix subscriptions Disney, has a that, discovery that has a, that has a secondary. I think that's a different bucket. I think that's also yes, there's a churn aspect to that bucket for sure, but it's more about a make my revenue look better, which right. this one yep. doesn't really help with. Yeah, but but let's just go back to that because what was interesting was when we were talking to Frank, he he basically made it sound like Spotify had real regret for not doing the deal with Verizon. Like that basically it sounded like it was offered to Spotify. They said no. And then second choice was Apple and Apple has blown it out with this deal and basically become essentially, you know, in number they one said in the leading. US. Yeah. I'm not sure that's actually true, but let's just say okay. neck and neck, if not number one, but let's fine. Let's just say they're number one. The question is why is T-Mobile? Why are they doing this versus partnering with Spotify? Obviously this I assume is a lot cheaper to do um, financially, but it just sort of surprises me. To, I think you asked this question, well, like, why has nobody done this type of a deal, bundling deal with Spotify when it seems so obvious, especially if you want younger consumers, you know, kind of Gen Z, you know, certainly millennial customers, this would seem right up that alley. And no, no one has done that deal. So I saw this T-Mobile thing. I think it's interesting. It's just surprising that like maybe, you know, experiential versus just access to another service. I don't know. Maybe it's on the way. Maybe. 
we should talk about it from a Live Nation perspective, though, also. And let's just start with the sort of insatiable demand now for um, concert and sports tickets. As I can um, see from the crowd behind evi- you. No, no, the crowd yeah, in the picture but, behind you, which is you also can see the craziness. By what secondary market prices are um, yeah, are true. for these things, number one. And with that demand for concert tickets, like if you talk, go back to the Live Nation flywheel, sponsorship um, is is a big part of it. It's a substantial portion of Live Nation's EBITDA. And this is just another opportunity um, for their sponsorship division. Speaking of sponsorships, I'm looking over your left shoulder, I guess, and the sponsorship on the board at, at whatever they wherever the Islanders play North is well health at the at, no, at the college. No, that's not the I one. I mean, I'm that's at the other shoulder. Stream games live on MSG Go. <laughs> How many people do you think are are on MSG Go? <laughs> well, I, I will. MSG Go plus Max. I will uh, say this. So the uh, the Isles. Um, yeah, or a send partner is MSG. So yeah. I think that this is you know all part of the. Uh, Do you have MSG the, Go app on your on your? You said you have all these apps of, that you don't of, use. Of you course I. Of oh, course okay. I do. Why do I? And why do I have the MSG Go app? Because I have YouTube TV, and because I have YouTube TV, I don't get MSG. Right. So you have to buy it separate. No. <laughs> Oh, you have to steal a password steal from, it from somebody else. Multi-channel Come on. video, whatever that long word is that Rich is using. This is a this is I a beautiful segue. No, no, this is a no. beautiful segue into our next segment, which is on over-the-top RSNs and the absurdity of what Sinclair is sort of pitching. They're trying to raise capital to go out and launch an over-the-top streaming service. Now, I know we have to bring up Josh Cosman again. Uh, because he was the why, one that, why does this guy get so much air to, why uh, are we he, promoting him so hard uh, you know he he well because he wrote the story a few weeks is ago he's so creative a, a $23 over the top <laughs> RSN service um, I think you know Sinclair is trying to raise capital to go out and do this the funny thing is about this they're, they're sort of talking about two different services one service would actually have the live games and the other service would not have live games, but you would pay for a, you know, for a RSN service that only had incremental content around sports betting and around the teams. I don't even know what the hell that means, but it just to me, it shows that they're just literally throwing spaghetti against the wall because even the live games, they don't even Spag- know how many live games they even have the ability to offer when they're promoting this. Meanwhile, the financials of Sinclair, which is what is up on the screen here, we have basically you these circle are the slides. that on the slide, Rich. These are the slides Sinclair is using to pitch their investors on a new streaming service, projecting 4.4 million subscribers and nearly 2 million of revenue. They obviously leave off the fact of how much revenue they lose if they launch this service, how much comes out the bottom as the kind of cable bundle tears them or drops them or whatever else this causes. They never discuss that in the presentation. They only talk so, about the yeah, streaming the, service. The secondary order effects of no of discussion. Like, literally just move. completely yep. ignore it. But then the beauty of the whole thing is they it's also all incremental. Give out, it's all incremental. But the beauty of this is this business, when Fox owned it before Sinclair bought it, the last year of EBITDA was a billion six. Sinclair now is saying the low end of 2022 guidance and low end is probably the realistic end because the high end assumes they get a deal done with Charlie Ergen and Dish. The low end of 310 million of EBITDA, I mean, dropping from a billion six three years ago to $300 million. You know, we said this thing was going to lose money by 2025. And I I think conviction is increasing of where this thing is going. And I think the only question ultimately is sort of like, ultimately, this probably goes bankrupt um, and somebody ends up trying to restructure it or do something interesting with these assets over the course of the next few years. I actually wonder whether the leagues themselves try to take control of these assets, because I think, you know, to your point on MSG Go. Particularly MLB. Yeah, like it sort of seems like this, especially if you think about sports betting and all the stuff that like excites us on this podcast it would seem like the leagues have a real vested interest in having more control versus having multiple intermediaries. And, you know, NBC wants to sell their RSNs, 
you know, it just it just feels like something could happen over the next couple of years. And I just think it's worth watching because this is not going well. And this sort of seems like a joke when I look at what Sinclair is sort of talking about or what they're projecting. Yeah, correct. Um, shifting gears a little bit to um, Spanish language streaming. Axios um, has a story up that will read Univision plans to launch a unified streaming service next year that will include a premium subscription tier. They also have a ad supported service, sort of an AVOD service. This follows the announcement that Univision will merge with Televisa, one of the largest media companies in Latin America. Um, Totally was expected. They said this when they announced the two companies or merged the two companies that they were going to do something like this. Basically, they want to create a, a Spanish language only streaming service. So, Netflix and others obviously have some Spanish language content, but it is not dedicated. This will be a dedicated SVOD service focused initially on U.S. and Mexico, but it will obviously be global. SVOD AVOD hybrid, right? Correct. There'll be an AVOD piece that has, you know, I think a lot better content than what you see on no offense to my friends at Tubi and Pluto and all of that. But they talk about having sort of more premium content, sports content. Um, And the most interesting thing about the launch is they're talking about you know, unlike a Discovery Plus or a Paramount Plus, where there's a lot of crossover between the cable bundle and the streaming service, at least what they're saying for this new service is that it, almost 90 plus percent of the content will be exclusive to the streaming services. So it will not be sort of what you can find in the bundle. This will be dedicated programming, maybe speaks to Televisa and just how much content they have to make available. But it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out and um, no one's tried to do something like this before. So this is really a novel idea in terms of building a Spanish language only service, especially when we've seen so many people talk to young Hispanics wanting sort of a diversity of language and not being Spanish only. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how big the market for this is on a global basis. A North South America basis. I guess that's you know, most of where this is going to play. Yeah, almost that's all. Of it. Yeah, that's fair. Brandon, why don't you read this? Because I think uh, music is right up your alley. Sure. Snap has agreed to a licensing deal with Universal Music Group, the world's largest record label group. Story on the terminal. That was from um, from Lucas Shaw. Um, the first thing I thought about when I read that headline is TikTok. And how music is, I mean, obviously TikTok North America grew out of the Musical.ly acquisition, how important music has been to TikTok and how Snap is trying to, you know, is recognizing that competition, trying to in some ways copycat um, what's going on on TikTok and how that music can be very helpful to their ambitions. The second thing I thought of is that sort of, looking at the music labels themselves, that growing digital revenue piece um, from from social platforms. And it's funny, I thought of a third angle, which is oh. sort of from you, Brandon. I I took a totally different Hey, thing. hey, hey. No, totally. And this is only because of a you. Brand, a Brandon take that I've missed. Well, no, this is the Brandon, hot, the Brandon hot take that you missed is Snap wants to turn the map into a metaverse over time and see sort of a virtual world for Bitmoji and all of that. Yeah. What better place for music to live, concerts, venues, yeah, I mean, all types yeah, of things. Yeah, yeah. Like, think about like what you could do the whole, longer the whole, term. The whole Roblox um, angle. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's a that's a that's a more dated thing. And you know, Snap is certainly looking at expanding the map into into uh, virtual space which yeah. will, will happen over time. And yeah, for sort of live events and for experiences, music's going to be a big part of that, which is why their Universal's competitor, Warner Music, invested into Roblox. I just think Spotlight's on Fire, which is the, you know, the TikTok-like product of Snapchat. Every I was at an advertiser event on Monday night. Terry Kawaja hosted at Luma Partners, and it was very clear that there is just a buzz about what Spotlight is doing. Advertisers love it, brand safe, but you need, you know, a lot of it is tied to music. And so you need to have legally access to music. And I think it makes a lot of sense to do this. Obviously not cheap for Snapchat to do this, but very important as they start to build out more and more of the advertising um, and bring on more and more content that, you know, sort of ties into music. 
But talking of copycats, um, I guess the ultimate copycat is our good friends over at Facebook. This feels a lot like something called Snapchat, Brandon, doesn't it? Facebook is expanding AR try-on via new APIs and ad formats. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) It looks exactly like Snapchat. Like, if you think about sort of the lenses and try... I mean, this is exactly what... We're all copying each other, Rich. I I think that's that's the biggest takeaway here. Yeah, because even the next one, let's just move to the next slide. This is TikTok. We're excited to announce the global launch of TikTok Jump, a new way for creators to share engaging and informative content on TikTok. And uh, basically- That's that's minis. That's minis, which is a Snapchat product. So like (laughs) each company is literally taking pieces of what the other one is doing, calling it something else, but that's essentially- I'm I'm bullish on that, by the way. Why? I I, I just- Just the concept of- Yeah, of those like HTML5 apps in there. I think in terms of like keeping um, uh, users locked locked into your environment, becoming a real platform- um is is a is a big deal i i think that snaps overall ambition for years um as they looked at you know, closely at what it was happening in why Asia. don't you ask our resident tiktok expert whether he wants to engage with experiences inside of videos okay resident tiktok expert Hey, 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 Walter Pice. still hasn't gotten an advertisement load. Oh no, still week. Dude, Still are no, you like I, in some whitelist? I must be, I must be paying. Maybe it's all the positive things I've said on here that they've heard. You've um, never seen one ad. use Zoom and, you know, they're listening through Zoom. Um, no, not one ad. No, I don't. You, I don't want to interact. I just want to keep flipping through to the next one. I don't understand how you, I mean, literally the third TikTok I see is for, I don't even know what this is, for Windex. Like I yeah. literally have a Windex ad. Third third scroll is Windex. Not one. Uh, yeah. You sure you just aren't looking at the word sponsored at the bottom? Like I, I'm I'm almost calling challenge. Like I almost want to go through your feed with you live. Well, and maybe I know I'm that's so, maybe a maybe little I'm too so personal. But that the sponsored is so terrible that I notice it's bad that I end up flipping through it so fast. I'm a very quick I want to make sure that the algo is perfect. For example, when the, you know, I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago when they had that where they had like the the moms like drooling over some young kid doing stuff. I, they kept serving that to me, and I kept flipping through as fast as I could until it ended. It the algo is fixed. I no, I get no ads, Rich. <sighs> okay. Um, talking you. about apps that are leveraging best practices, Brandon, we've got a pretty big news out of Tinder. Hey, Tinder. Uh, this is from Turner Novak. Hey, banana. Is this Tinder's biggest update ever? Adding videos, explore page, social games. A um, couple of things come to mind here, um, especially on, on the video side and looking at what they're trying to do. There's sort of this like Gen Z TikTokization or snapization um, of, of the world that's going on here. And um, it's like making Tinder um, a more engaging place, appealing to Gen Zs. The other thing that I noticed on there is the ability to have those kind of like quick chats before you go on a date, get to know people a little better um, before you go out, um, which uh, also leads, you know, Tinder has been a hookup app. Uh, there a lot of other dating use cases are you know covered in the match portfolio but sort of expanding um, tinder's role a little bit seems to be part of this but isn't it just more time spent also like it yeah takes no, time it's, to watch no that's video. what i'm saying like, it's like it's this is just yeah, time of course it's like, it's it's more time spent um but also you want the app to be appealing um to your to your user base and what's appealing now is very different than when tinder came back um first came out like think about um the beginning of tinder what was the most popular app 
Instagram. I don't know. Um, you know, we're going back, um, a long while. And that was about sort of quickly flipping through pictures. Now video and, you know, short videos is sort of ruling, um, the social engagement space. So, you know, you're keeping up with the times to, to a certain extent. I think it makes total sense, like total way to increase time spent and to, uh, you know, give people a mechanic that they're getting comfortable with, whether it's reels, spotlight, every platform sort of doing the exact same thing. Brendan, you want to take F1? Sure. This is from the Sports Business Journal. F1 is averaging 930,000 viewers for the 21 season across ESPN and ESPN2, eight races, up 53% from last season's average and 38% over 19. The series games may be due in large part to the popularity of Netflix's Drive to Survive docuseries. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's uh, pretty accurate. I know a lot of people who have become F1 fans right on um, the back of that Drive to Survive series. It kind of reminds me a little bit, if you like go back to WWE and some of the reality programming that they did, um, which appealed to women. And then all of a sudden you had you know, more female um, wrestling fans in the funnel, which really... Uh, helped the um um the the women's um side of the business really take off um you've seen this sort of um not core content really work to drive engagement in games where you have you know youtube twitch streaming sure. driving sort of a, a we, we talked about sort of that on our light shed live this week too yep um so yeah, none of this surprises me. But then we got Kayvon, who actually runs product for Twitter. Yep. He literally tweeted out this week, what other shows are as good as at converting to sports fandom as Netflix's Drive to Survive? I went from not knowing anything about F1 to being hardcore obsessed and waking up in the wee hours to watch race day. Yeah, I'm I mean, not, and the know, other that's thing, pretty crazy. Like what's, if you think about sports, right, and why people are drawn to sports, there's all, there's a story that unfolds. And once you're in the story and understand the characters, that helps you to um, enjoy what's um, what's what's playing out. So do you watch all of those segments at the Olympics where they go behind the story of each of the yeah, athletes? I, I just I don't like part? the Olympics. I don't I don't watch the Olympics. You're anti-Olympics. Really at all. I watch I watch the I watch the hockey. You know, a little bit of skiing. Like I like the Winter Olympics. I think that's the um, job of a good announcer, Rich, and that's why some that's why some announcers are good at building a story, and others are super irritating, like um, uh, Joe Buck. I knew that's where this exists. is going. Every time you say announcers, I know where you're going. But I mean, that's but that that that's the point, though. Like, yeah, I mean, I guess some people watch supplemental thing, but I don't think any of those pregame shows or postgame shows have any type of fucking ratings. That's, that's worth a damn, unless it's like a really exciting game that people can't go to sleep and watch it afterwards. So narratives are built, I think by good announcers. Um, I mean, look, hard knocks did this for, I mean, I don't, I don't think it had sure. the type of impact on ratings, but it was sort of this element. I think it probably just works better for underfollowed things like this. Yes. It, agree. Agree. A hundred percent. Like it would be, you know, I can't. There, you, we know there's going to be a European soccer something like this. Someone's going to create that to build fandom and even bigger in the U.S. because it's obviously exploding, and it you know yeah, that, that I mean, fuel on the fire. Yeah, people were just it, it was never an important sport in the U.S. It was more of yep. you know a global European thing, and so this this is a hook in. Walt, wrap us up. Oh, Rich, I'm surprised yeah. you didn't say the power of Netflix. I, I didn't, but it, that was funny. Walter, uh, wrap us up with Guru. The multi-channel, Brandon, what is that thing that that, that we'd like to, the, uh, the destruction uh, of the multi-channel bloody. Of the MVPD, the multi-channel video ecosystem. Ha- hashtag good in, luck bundle. Is in deep decline. Here, rather than digging up a, an old Marcelo, um, I love crypto tweet. Um, we're going to bring up 
Verizon. That was the top. Of, that was the top. Head, head of media. He really he really timed that perfectly. <laughs> uh, the short-term top, maybe. We'll say. Crypto ain't dead yet. He, so the head of Verizon Media, I think this is, when you look at his tweets, I think that he's just got some um, idiot media person like just sending out generic tweets, probably someone that they hired. Um and the tweet was markets are closed, but it's still a good time to read up on the next games GMA ticker for GameStop. Our new community insights helps you discover trade inspiration with real time stock insights from Yahoo finance users. Check it out with a 14 day trial to Yahoo. Fin- the funny thing is when I, when I read it, other than laughing about, about Verizon, the late basically, 90s are back. Yo. Exactly. Yeah, uh, exactly. Twitter about Verizon, like appealing to the to the masses, which is, I guess, what you do as a mass media company. But it reminded me of those Yahoo message boards, which had as much filth and garbage as we've seen on Twitter from the supporters of AMC. So I think it's it's funny that he's tying in Yahoo message, even though it wasn't having anything to do with Yahoo message boards, but Yahoo Finance to the abuse that's online which also by the way <laughs> to continue my little mini rant on this it was also funny to see dave portnoy who was living with um stimulating th- this kind of populist movement now as has flipped the other way and talking about how <laughs> all these people are attacking him because he sold his amc and it's rallied and he had a nice kind of interchange with the fox business reporter and now saying like, oh, anyone, all these people that are attacking me, they're living in their basements. And these are the. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly his. The irony of that. If anyone hasn't seen that video, maybe that should have been our outro music. Just the no, video. You, yeah. Just him, just him yelling at him. Dude, and the Fox it's like, reporter. that's where your bread is buttered, man. Like all <laughs> you've done. He's like anyone who listens to social media, you know, talking right, the eggs, on social the media. Eggs, the eggs yeah. are the ones that, that when you when you stimulate the army to attack By the way, to attack someone on the internet you know, and now they're coming back after him. This is important. Phenomenal. I know we're right. our outro music should have been 1999 because because it feels um, like the, 1999 the, no, when of you the see Yahoo, that. Of the Yahoo message for oh, that, yes. party like it's 1999. But yeah, I think we did that once before. But I, you know, we're we're sticking we on did. this like sports theme, this sports like pump up music theme. This might be the last time well, we I talk about sports win. on on I this podcast for a while. <laughs> I don't really care about anyone in Tampa. I don't know anyone in Tampa. Maybe I do. You can reach out to me. So if you are someone I know from Tampa, then I wish you luck too. But I wish more luck to the people that I know more, which are Islanders fans or bandwagon Islanders fans. Either way. I don't remember so many people talking about the Islanders. Until every, every, and by the way, everyone's here. everyone's welcome. Okay. Everyone's welcome right. to come watch with you tonight. I don't I don't even know if I, <laughs> Looks on I'm going to be in trouble. I have to get it in deep not show up to a dinner tonight to watch this you're game. definitely I, you're definitely bailing on dinner which, there's no chance you're going to dinner yeah there's Zero no chance. chance i'm going to dinner even though it's going to hurt some uh people's feelings here's what i remember about how i went to a lot of flyers games as a kid yeah there was a point in the game when the flyers oh, so you were a hockey fan as a kid i went to flyers oh. games as a kid that doesn't make me a f- so there was the point in the game where the penalty box was 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 stuffed with the bullies the broad street bullies yeah. There, there would just be the chance send in Schultz and, and uh, Schultz would get out there and just demolish someone because we were getting beat by so much. It was that was fun. That's always episode lo- 61, uh, always love those fourth line enforcers. Yeah, send there's, in Schultz. There, there's no tomorrow. See everyone next. Week. I, Joe actually, <laughs> Joe actually said what exactly what Jess said. Brandon could sit at the table with his phone streaming like a bunch of small kids at the dinner tables at restaurants. What are you talking about? Dads exactly do that. exactly what I was thinking of doing. So I want to bring like an iPad and get that like rubber yeah. case on it like the kids have. And <laughs> with like the rubber sit, arms? Yeah, with the rubber arms and sit at the table like this and maybe order from the kids menu. <laughs> I want a picture of that if you do it, by the way. <laughs> no, don't go. Have a good weekend, no. everyone. Bye, everyone. See you next week.